Hello, well, this week's sport is going on at Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. Hello, Paul. Hey, Rob, you okay? How's your uh, weekend been? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I enjoyed uh, the Salford game on uh, on Friday night. Another great win. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the Challenge Cup next week. Having a week off now, aren't we? We've no game for Salford, so we can rest and have a bit of recuperation. But there's plenty of other sport going on as well to cover. Yeah, this is a pre-recorded show and we're recording it before the the final game of the Premier League season. So we're going to be talking about all the drama and everything that comes out of that on next week's show. So we're going to start with the football and Salford City FC, Paul, and Gary Bowyer sacked by Salford City FC. Yeah, that that came as a bit of a shock to me because I don't follow you know Salford City you know as 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 my team sort of thing, but I do read up on the local sport and I know quite a lot of people who do follow Salford City. And to be honest, uh, Gary Bowyer was getting really really good reviews. Really, a lot of people said what a good guy he was, doing a good job. You know, building steady. You know, steady progress has been made this season. Had a decent finish. All right, they didn't make the the playoffs, but you know, there's something to build on there. And, And when you sack a manager like that, to me. It's like knocking all the, the bricks down isn't it? and you're starting again. So it just didn't seem to make sense to me uh, to, to sack him. So they seem to have sacked too many managers. And, and you know, we've seen sports clubs before where they go through managers like a revolving door. It doesn't seem to get anywhere. You need that bit of continuity, don't you? And uh, I thought Gary Bowie was a manager, very, very experienced manager. You know, he managed up and down the leagues and, you know, knows his stuff. And to, to, to get rid of him seemed, um, seemed a bit of a knee jerk reaction, really. Yeah, 14 months in charge, Paul. 10th in League Two, uh, they finished just be- just outside the playoffs. Um, obviously, they suffered a, a slow start in the league with injuries, and then they signed a few players, including Matty Smith, one of the one of the strikers, and they went uh, lost three games in in the, in the last uh, sort of half of the season. Uh, so they were on they were on course. Um, obviously, to to, uh, to a playoffs, but unfortunately got beaten the last few few weeks and and against the teams around them and were able to push into a playoff spot. But I think it's very harsh. Obviously, like you said, experienced coach and these coaches, and you know it's all about building an infrastructure in the club and, and a culture. And Salford City FC have had four uh, head coaches in in four seasons. Graham Alexander, uh, Richie Wellens, and Gary Bowyer uh, will, you know, are three of them. We've got the new one, which we'll be talking about shortly. But it's, it's, there's no sort of, um, you know, sensible, conservative way. It's just hire a coach, don't get us up, fire a coach. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the Graham Alexander one is a, is a fine point. I mean, Graham Alexander is a guy who's been around football for an awful long time, particularly outside the top flight. He's been in around the lower leagues and a lot with a lot of Northwest clubs, playing an awful lot of games. If you look at his record, so he knows the league inside out and was was gaining quite an experience. You know, served his apprenticeship as a manager as well in the lower leagues, and you know it was it was a likable fella and a guy with a lot of knowledge. And he was another one that wasn't given a lot of time. Gary Bowie the same. Very very experienced coach, very experienced manager, and to give him fourteen months in a job. I think he's he's crazy. I mean, to finish tenth, that's not that's not a bad finish. That what seven points outside the playoff. What you've got to think of is in that league as well. Those sides that have finished above them are experienced campaigners in League Two. You've got like Northampton, Swindon Town. These, these team, Bristol Rovers. I think it was Exeter who finished up there as well. These these sides have been in that league an awful long time. They know it how it works. They know it inside out. And it's a very very tough league to get out of. And when you drop down, it's it's hard to get back into the football. You've only got to ask Stockport County Sports. It's took them an awful long time to come back up. So. 
these these leagues are difficult. They really are difficult to get in and out of. It's difficult to get promotion. So I think a tenth place finish was was progress. They were making progress, and now you're going to have to start that that sort of cycle all all over again next season. So it's going to be interesting to see how the new manager goes next year, and will the panic button be pressed? You know, sort of uh, before Christmas if things don't work out with the new man. It's it's a it's a big question that Paul Gary Neville uh, comes out in the press said it was the worst mistake he made um, sacking uh, Graham Alexander and obviously he's gone on to to sack two other coaches off you know, off the back of that. Um, obviously being sort of Man United player under Alex Ferguson for all them years, you think he'd be able to sort of understand that having a coach in place for the long period uh, makes a massive difference. But as a as a chairman himself, he seems to be sort of a bit trigger happy. Yeah, football seems that, I think sports like that these days, nobody seems to get any time for anything. Everybody just wants instant success. And perhaps if people did take a backward step sometimes and just allow people to do the job, it might work out in the end. I think you've got to be patient in sport. Um, you know, look at Manchester United, they appointed Alex Ferguson, what, in 1986? Didn't win anything for his first couple of years. He, you know, he, he needed a bit of time to bet in. And it's all right, people say all the time, but, well, you don't get that time anymore. Yeah, but perhaps you need that time because it doesn't, it doesn't seem to work. I mean, next season, you've got... Four big sides dropping down from League One. Crew, AFC Wimbledon, Doncaster and Gillingham. Those sides are going to be really difficult to beat and they're, they're going to be around the promotion. So that's, you've got seven, I think, slots, haven't you, with your playoffs and your three going up. So you've got the top seven to, to aim at. Those four are probably going to be around there. So it's going to be another difficult season. Like a Bradford City are down there as well. There's some big money clubs in, the, in that league who get big crowds and you know probably have just as much resource as what Salford have got. So... It's not going to be easy next season for Salford City. They they won't be one of the favourites to go up again. Um, they're going to have the work cut out. They're going to have some tough derby games. Well, you've got Stockport County who've come up. That's going to be a difficult one. Rochdale are down there as well. So uh, it's going to be another tough season for them. It is, and obviously with everything going on, you know, off the off the field with potentially you know moving to the AJ Bell Stadium and and you know that being delayed, it's it's a bit of a you know a problem really because they need to go. Get up into the into League One to to get the the crowds in, but obviously the longer they stay in that second division, the more difficult it is to sort of build the club. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, if you go up to to sort of League One, you, you're probably going to get more away following out. There's some really big sides in that league. I mean, probably get some good away followings in League Two. To be to be fair to the teams in there, but I think Salford City need to. Sort of push their home crowds, don't they? I mean, I'm like I said, I'm no expert, but was it two and a half thousand, maybe three thousand sometimes? And if you take that sort of support to the AJ Bell Stadium, as we well know, being Salford supporters, that sort of crowd there, it's not really going to fund. You know, you you, you stay in there. I know they've got money back in them in, in Neville and, and, and the, the class of '92 and what have you. But how long are these guys going to keep throwing money at a situation that's not really really making anything? So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting times. It, it really is, but. Uh, I think they just need to be a bit more patient. I think just to to think of a five-year plan and we're going to be in the Premiership in five, it's not going to happen. You've got to build things slowly. And Yeah, I know people who watch Rochdale and that that league too is a, it's such a difficult division to get out of, that, let me tell you. I mean, you can have, you know, spend big money and have a big budget. It's, it's still a difficult league to get out of, it really is. Mm. And where does the support come from, obviously? We're so for Red Devils fans. We know there's there's a you know really a big pool of, of teams to support in our local area yeah. with Man United, Man City, uh, Manchester Storm, Sale Sharks, uh, Salford City FC, us, Swinton Lions. You know there's there's teams who are all vying for, for that entertainment money. What we'll call it from people. So how will Salford City be able to entice the people away from potentially other teams or 
get play people who are involved in the other teams to come down and watch them. Well, as a as a kid, sort of growing up in the eighties and nineties, to me, if you in Salford, if you was a football supporter, everybody seemed to support Manchester United. Mm. And at the north end of sort of Manchester, where I sort of live now, Middleton, that neck of the woods, it was Manchester City. That's how things used to be. Like now, it seems a lot more spread out. Now you've got City and United supporters because there's two massive clubs now. <clears throat> excuse me, with Manchester City being up there as well, it's a bit more spread around. But that makes it worse for Salford City because. You've got those two institutions. Now, those those are two of the two of the biggest clubs in the world, and they like what a couple of miles from, from where you are. So you've got them to compete for. If you're a city, if you're a football supporter in Greater Manchester, you support either City or United, don't you? And then you might support Salford as, as your second team. There's probably a handful of people, maybe a hardcore of fifteen hundred people, who actually support Salford as as their first team. Don't you? Were going before you know the class of '92 took over, so they've been there. You know, through it all, so it is difficult to build the crowds. I mean, we've been trying to build crowds for for years, haven't we? And we're not doing too bad at the the rugby league team, but the football team it is going to be difficult. You've got so much to compete with, and I think, yeah, success on the pitch would 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 increase crowds. Going up the league would increase crowds, but it's, it's not something that can be done overnight. No, certainly not. And obviously, talking about the new man coming in, uh, Neil Wood. Uh, Manchester United's under-23 coach who's been there for three years, uh, Paul. Um, obviously, connections to Manchester United, just like the class of 92. Um, he, he is the guy now in charge and hopefully uh, the guy who's going to bring success to Salford City. Yeah, yeah, wish him all the best. But, you know, cynical people might say, is he as good a, good a coach as, as Gary Bowyer? Has he got the credentials he's got? And I've noticed a lot of cynical people saying he's just... It's jobs for the boys, you know. He's friends with with Gary Neville or this and the other. I mean, that might that's by the by. That's what people are saying. But is it a bit of truth in that? I'm not. I'm not too sure. That the, the the proof is going to be in in the in what happens now next season. And you know, wish him all the best. Let's hope he does a good job. He's obviously got good credentials there. He's been working at Manchester United, so uh, so yeah, he's not he's no mug. But um, but yeah, he's going to need time though. He's not going to be able to just switch it round straight away. You know. So let's see if if Neville gives him a bit of time this time, and uh, it, it will. If Salford City have a poor start to the season, is is uh, he going to get an itchy trigger finger again? Who who knows? Time will tell. Yeah, but I suppose that's the thing you see. Obviously, unproven at this level, Neil Wood, obviously in charge of coaches at United under twenty three, coach at Manchester United, but being a sort of a manager at a league two side is a totally different kettle of fish. You've not got, uh, you know, quality quality coaches around. You haven't got the facilities around like you would at Manchester United. So it will be a test for him as well. Yeah, and another thing as well is what 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 sort of captured my attention was the the head coach role. So he's not the manager. So is he just coaching the players? Is there somebody else signing the players and saying that's we're having that player, having this player, having that player, and, and you know, sort of picking, you know, re- doing the recruitment side of things, or is he doing that as well, or is that just a red herring? I'm not so sure. I, I, if I was a Salford City supporter, I'd want that explaining. Why is he the head coach? Is there somebody else doing that job? Because if I went in doing that job, I'd want you know free reign to to be able to do my job. I want to pick the players I want, and you know that that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? You know, you know. You want to be able to pick the team, but also sign the players you want. You don't want someone else dictating to you. So, yeah, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a bumpy ride for Salford, but uh, we wish them all the best on the sports zone. No doubt about that. Yeah, definitely in Paul. And, you know, like you said, if he is just the head coach, uh, who's who's a tactical guy, who who makes the decisions? Because obviously, 
we need Salford City to be a commercially a success off the field. If we want to grow, then obviously the is the football department and the business department yeah. now like separate departments where you know they won't sort of sort of engage with each other. Does Neil Wood is he just in charge of the actual training of the players and, and putting the, the structures in place? Um, and who does he have the ability to go to? You know, Gary Neville and, and the board to say, look, I need money for players because he he just the guy that's coaching or is he managing as well? Yeah, that's something that I'd want to explain it to me if I was a supporter, like I said. And uh, yeah, it does seem a, a funny situation. I think sometimes you can have too many people at a club, can't you? And, too many chiefs and, and not enough Indians, as they say, for want of a better phrase. But um, I, I don't know. If you're a player, you, you want things to be simple, don't you? You want he's the gaffer, as they say, and he's the guy I report to. You know, the more people you've got to report to, the more the more it makes things complicated. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting to see how it pans out. What what you don't want is it to turn into some sort of soap opera, do you? You just want the, the club to be successful, and you know everybody do the job and uh, and, and and get the, the wins that's going to take them up the table. But uh, but yeah, well, watch this space on the recruitment as well. It'd be interesting to see what sort of recruitment's made in the in the close season for Salford City because before you know it, blink of an eye. It'll be signed for pre-season and the, and the games will be uh, be starting again. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Champions League uh, final uh, this week. Paul, Liverpool v Real Madrid. It's going to be an absolute classic. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, there's a, there's a small part of me that wishes it was Manchester City there. I think Manchester City against Liverpool would have been... It would have been great, wasn't it, for us for us in this country, you know, having two uh, English sides, and especially in the northwest of England, that rivalry between Manchester and Liverpool. I think that'd have been uh, it'd have been great. But you know, Real Madrid are, uh, you know, they're the sort of godfathers of that competition, aren't they? They've won that competition on numerous occasions and a massive, massive club as well. So, no two names there: Real Madrid and Liverpool. That. You know, wet the appetite there, don't we? That could be an absolute classic game. Let's hope it is anyway. And, um, you know, we get really entertained. Saturday night kickoff as well, isn't it? So uh, people better watch that. And I'm sure I'm sure the entertainment value of that will be great because they've both played some fantastic football this season. And as we're recording this, we still don't know how Liverpool have gone on in the, in the Premiership do with Manchester City. But, you know, I, I think that'll be a great game. Yeah. Real Madrid's won 13 Champions Leagues in their wow. in their history. You know, one of the one of the greatest teams um, of all time. Um, play a great way, Ancelotti. You know, ex coach at Everton, the the head of of Real Madrid now, Paul. It's going to be a real test for him because obviously uh, his history of English football uh, being Everton against Liverpool gives that extra dimension. That's it, yeah. I mean, you just said there 13 times. I didn't think it was that many. Mm. I thought maybe about seven or eight, but yeah, 13 times, absolutely outstanding. And, you know, as for somebody like me who's not a, a huge football person, teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, AC Milan, Juventus, you know, they're the teams that I remember, you know, as a kid. These are like the, the massive teams, aren't they? Especially in Europe. So, uh, so yeah, as you said, they're, they're a powerhouse club, aren't they? And um, Liverpool have got it. I've got it tough there, but you know Liverpool, especially even when Liverpool haven't been a great side, they've performed well in Europe and, and always seem to raise the game, don't they? I mean, if you go back to 2005, I don't think they really did much in the Premiership that season, but yet went on to to win an epic Champions League final. They always seem to raise the game in that competition, don't they? And uh, I've no doubt Jurgen Klopp will have his side fired up and they'll give it another good go uh, in that in that final. I, I just hope we, we we get that classic game with with loads of goals and loads of excitement. Yeah, obviously, like you said, Real Madrid full of full of stars. Uh, 
Kurt Curtius, which is the, uh, the the ex Premier League goalkeeper, fantastic. Modric, you know what a magician he is in 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 midfield. Uh, ben Zimmer up front scoring goals. Hazard, uh, even Gareth Bale, he doesn't feature very often for Real Madrid. But you know it's a, it's a squad it's a squad full of talent. He certainly is, and I mean, you look at Manchester City, how, how consistent and good they've been this season, and yet Real beat them over two legs and showed an awful lot of character as well to come from behind in that second leg, you know, late on as well, they were dead and buried, weren't they? And to score two late goals, they had to take it to extra time, and then obviously to go on and win the match, so so yeah, they, they, they've not only got the talent, but they've got that grit and determination and desire to win, haven't they, as well, so coming off the back of that into the final... It, I think it's one of those games where if you you was a betting person, you'd probably struggle to pick a winner out of them too. I think it's a real 50-50 match. Yeah. And obviously Liverpool, you know, at the moment as we uh, have this conversation, we don't know what the fact happened in the final day of the Premier League season, going for that quadruple. Um, Jurgen Klopp's men, you know, full of talent um, and, and a great coach too. Yeah. I like Jurgen Klopp. I think since he's come over to, to the Premiership, he's... He's been a real character, hasn't he? He always seems to have a smile on his face and he's entertaining when he speaks to the, the press. He's not a boring person. So, uh, so yeah, he's a larger-than-life character and I think that's what you want in sport, don't you? You want characters and, and people who are going to entertain. And uh, Yeah, he certainly does his best for Liverpool, doesn't he? Very passionate man and I think you'll see that come shining through in the, in the Champions League final. But I think he's done a terrific job since he's gone to Liverpool. You know, there's been a lot of managers there over the last sort of 30 years who, who've spent a lot of money and, and failed and not got anywhere near trophies. So, you know, Jürgen's come in and, and got that, that league title and, um, you know, got to a Champions League final as well and won the FA Cup. I mean, I couldn't believe that stat, what someone told me last week. They've not won the FA Cup since 2006. I remember watching that final against West Ham. It was a cracking match. And, you know, when I heard last week that they've won it, that was the first time since then. I, I couldn't believe that. I thought, I'm sure they've won it, won it since then. So, but yeah, another another great win in the in the uh, in the League Cup as well. So, um, yeah, he's brought the trophies. Yeah. And obviously, Mo, Mo Salah and, and Sani Amane, you know, they've got people who will score goals. And with uh, Van Dijk at the back uh, and Alisson goal, it's solid as well in defence. And then that's what good teams are built on. They're built on, a, you know, a solid defenders uh, and, and great goal scorers. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. I mean, you go back through time, you know, great sides that have been winning domestic titles in whatever country you want to pick. You, you always look at the goalkeeper and that back line. You've always got to have that good defence. I mean, you can have all the flair players in the world, can't you? But if you've not got that back line and that that sort of, um, what's the word, cornerstone of your side, mm. you're not going to get anywhere, really. So, yeah, I mean, both sides there have got, have got you know good defences and a decent keeper. So, uh, But, yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping there's going to be goals because we all want to be entertained, don't we? We don't want to see a great defensive display and a nil-nil draw. Do we want to see, uh, we want to see the goals flying in? Yeah, so uh, give us your prediction for the for the final. Ooh, I'm going to go three two to Liverpool. Three two Liverpool. I'm going to go two 0 Madrid. <laughs> well, I wonder go. why. <laughs> <laughs> so um, playoff final as well. Uh, Notts Forest uh, v Huddersfield Town. You know the the chance to get into the Premier League, uh, Paul. You know the biggest game in English football, really. You know there's hundred million riding on this. Uh, you know what what a spectacular game, hopefully in store. 
Yeah, certainly. It'd be exciting as well because it's the Challenge Cup final the day before. Huddersfield Giants are in the champion, uh, the Challenge Cup final and you've got Huddersfield Town the day after in the playoff final. So I think they'll be turning the lights out with Huddersfield. Last one out, <laughs> turn the lights out because the town will be absolutely deserted. So, which is great for, for Huddersfield. So, uh, yeah, that should be a cracking game. That I mean, I watched bits of the uh, the semi-final between Forest and, uh, and Sheffield United, which was a great game, really entertaining. And, um, and Forest are a side who've been out of the Premier League for... for sort of almost 25 years haven't they since they've been back in the Premiership so uh, it's a long time for a, for a club like that and uh, a big club with so much history as well you know you think of the Clough era and winning Champions League you know against the odds really you know a small sort of place not it was not like a, a Manchester or a London is it I mean I know it's a city but um, it's um, you know what they what they did for football was was, was tremendous really so, uh, so yeah I'd like to see them back in the Premiership but Huddersfield as well you know you know, smallish town, not not the biggest town in the world, but they punched above the weight, haven't they? And, and come up, you know, really well this season. I, I didn't think they'd get anywhere near the playoffs, but they've got on a really good run and, and, and got to the final. So that's going to be another good game. I'd probably edge for Forest just because of the way they've been playing, but I think it'd be another tight game. Yeah, obviously not in Forest, like you said. Uh, two-time European Cup uh, winners, mm. Brian Clough, uh, Archie Gemmell, all the, the big names at Notts Forest through the years. You think oh, the, oh, the history of, of uh, Notts Forest, will that weigh heavy, you think, on this current team? Yeah, well, when I watched the game against uh, Sheffield tonight, tonight, they kept panning on the crowd. And as you said, there's, there were some, uh, you know, Gary Burtles and people like that, mm. Des Walker and the crowd. You can read them off, can't Roy Keane was obviously at um, Forest as well, wasn't he? Stan Collymore, there's another one. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of names been there. And they are a, a fantastic club with a great history. And does that weigh on you a bit? Yeah, there's probably a bit more expectation. Um, I'd probably say Huddersfield are the underdogs for, for that game. But. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a playoff final. We've seen it before, haven't we? Uh, the, the usually frantic games, aren't they? There's a lot of nerves. There's an awful lot on that game. You know, you think about the FA Cup final. I think the playoff final, especially the championship one for a place, place in the Premiership, it's probably one of the biggest games of the season just with what's riding on it, you know, in terms of finances and, uh, you know, going up and playing in the Premier League. So there's an awful lot on that game and, and, and I think that'll be another real tight one. And I'd like Forrest to win just for the fact they've not been in the Premier League for a long time. Yeah, well, obviously, like you said, Huddersfield Town, you know, uh, one of the fast, sort of the, the oldest clubs in in the league, the uh, entered the Football League in 1910, Paul. You know, it, it's history at Huddersfield. They want to create that. And like you said, with, uh, you know, this Rugby League side in the Challenge Cup uh, final in the same weekend, it'll be a really historic uh, moment for the the sort of the Huddersfield area if both sides uh, can get either win the Cup and go up. Got some celebration back in uh, West Yorkshire, wasn't it? If both of them can uh, can win, God, what a, what a, they could have two bus tours there, couldn't they? Going around Huddersfield, that'd be really special. So, so yeah, and Huddersfield were in the Premiership not not that long ago, wasn't they? And they did quite a decent job. They stayed up, I think, the first season, didn't they? So, so yeah, they've got a talented side, and and yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great weekend. I'm looking forward to the Challenge Cup final as well. Wigan against Huddersfield, that should be a, should be a real great game as well. So, uh, so yeah, it, it should be a great weekend. And, and yeah, I know I said Forest, but I've got nothing against Huddersfield Town either. I think they'd make a make a real fist of it in the Premiership if they were to come up. Okay, score prediction for that? Ooh. I'm going to go Forest 2-1. Um, for for, for uh, equal, uh, equalisation, I'm going to go Huddersfield 2-1. Are you writing these down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for, a, for a podcast Nando's if we get the results. Yeah, we'll have a sort of sports own Nando's. <laughs> So that's all, all the football chat now, and we're going to talk cricket briefly, Paul. 
Yeah, we certainly are. Yeah, it's that time of the year again, Robin, isn't it? Cricket mm. season. How's Lankies you been getting on? Yeah. Doing quite well at the moment, Paul. 1-2 drawn, 4 in the one-day uh, championship. We're in 2020 action uh, this weekend. You know, best thing about summer is, is uh, the ball on, on Willow, the sun beating down, you know, sat on the on in the stands at Old Trafford watching uh, Lanky uh, play cricket. I think I urge all the, you know, people who are available to get down there and support them. Um, you know, it's decent prices for tickets and uh, being one of our, obviously our only sort of local cricket club, uh, it can uh, be, uh, you know, great opportunity to, to learn the game and, and, and watch it and enjoy it. 2020 cricket this week, Rob, who are Lancashire facing? I know 2020 is, um, can be very, very exciting, especially under the lights there at Old Trafford when they're playing Yorkshire and teams like that. Who have they got this week? Yeah, this week uh, they've got, got Yorkshire on Friday um, and they've got Warwickshire uh, on the Sunday, two games, um, 2020 cricket. What do you think of 2020 cricket, Paul? Would it does it catch your imagination? Yeah, I've enjoyed it when I've seen bits of it on the television, and um, it can be frantic, can't it? And uh, you know, a lot of slogging the ball around and that. But like I said before, under the lights at Old Trafford, I think you, you get a special atmosphere there, don't you? Particularly when they play Yorkshire. I've, I've caught a few games there, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I, I like Test match cricket. I, I love the Ashes. You know, the five day. You know, trying to stay in for a day and you know uh, back the day out and things like that. I, I love all that, but uh, but no, twenty twenty is a bit different. But uh, but no, it's definitely exciting and entertaining. Yeah, obviously, you know, with cricket, they've got uh, one day, they've got twenty twenty, they've got five day, they've got four day. Um, do you think it helps sort of entice fans in? They have different kinds of of game for them to watch. Well, I think a lot a lot of the younger people now and they they, they like the. Uh, the, the, the 2020 don't you it's fast and furious I think if you're a cricket connoisseur and you've watched it for, for years and you like the test matches and you, you like the five days it's a totally different sport isn't it it's played at a different pace isn't it I mean, 2020 is really fast isn't it and frantic stuff I mean it can take 10 minutes to bowl it over on a five day game can't it it's, it's, it's different but it's it's what you like isn't it I can, I can watch any sort of cricket really I, I do enjoy it like I said I, I still like the Ashes now. I don't get to watch as much of it now because it's on all sorts of different uh, channels. But when it was on terrestrial telly years ago, the, the Ashes and when we played the West Indies and went on tour and things like, you know, getting up early in the morning before you go to work or school or whatever and watching them playing sort of Barbados. I, I used to think that was amazing, you know, the other side of the world and, and they're playing while I'm just getting up. So, uh, so yeah, I, I do enjoy cricket and, you know, you can tell it's it's almost summertime when Lancashire start playing, and uh, you've got, as you said, you described it really well there with it with the sunshine and that. It's a it's a great day out. Yeah, and I always think for the part the players you see because they've got to play these different forms of cricket now. How how do they feel about adapting? Because obviously, if you're playing a five day. Um, sort of test match is different to playing a 2020 strategy is different your slot your shot selections are different tactically it's got to be different so it makes you wonder how how hard it is for players to to sort of switch between the two well I suppose in a way it's horses for courses sometimes isn't it you'll have players who who play in the the five day games and you have players who who prefer the 2020 and it's like you'll have a squad won't you I suppose so they'll they'll pick players on that but no I I suppose you've got to adapt your game if you're one of the top line players and you, you you play in all the formats you'll have to adapt your game and You'll have players who, who like to just slog about, won't you? You'll have players who, who are real stayers who, uh, who who want to stay in there and don't lose the wicket. So uh, when you're playing 2020, it's not a case of that. You don't get a time, do you, to, to sort of get in, as they say. You, you've got to let that 
you know, you got to swing that bat, haven't you, and uh, and get them fours and get them sixes and get scoring. So it must be difficult, you know, uh, adapting your game. But it is good, obviously, because the younger generation kind of learning cricket different ways, which you're hoping will grow the crowds, grow the coverage, grow the sponsorship and make the sport even stronger. Yeah, certainly. I think cricket in this country is pretty strong anyway, particularly at an international level. I'm not too sure at, at, at club level uh, what it's like. I know Lancashire get some decent crowds, don't they? Uh, some of the, the five-day games and that are played in the week, aren't they? You know, so it's difficult for people to get there. But, uh, you know, the coverage that the, the sport receives, you know, through the media, and especially on the television, there's, there's plenty of cricket on it. There's plenty to go, go out over the summer. Mm. And we'll be obviously trying to follow it a bit on the Sports Zone on at Salford City Radio. Uh, let's talk uh, Rugby League now, Paul, and Salford Devils. They were victorious against Castleford at 30 points to 14. Talk us through it. Yeah, it was, um, well, I, after the, the Leeds game, I think there was an air of expectation at the AJ Bell on, on Friday night. We had an awful lot of school children there, which was fantastic. And, you know, it was good that we put a, a show on for them as well. You know, Casford scored early doors from, from Ryan Hampshire, but Salford hit it back. And uh, to me, they, they took charge of the game there. In the first half, we were a bit slow. I think we, we presented um, Casford with a lot of chances. You know, we, we made quite a few mistakes, knocked on a couple of times in our own half and had to defend and made ourselves do quite a bit of work. But, you know, Joe Burgess, fantastic winger Joe Burgess, scored two tries before the break aided by Tim Lafayette. I think he owes Tim Lafayette coffee. I, th- I said that in the report because Tim Lafayette really looked after him, put him over for three tries. But that's what you've got with Joe Burgess. He's so elegant on the ball. You know, the pace, he looks like he's not moving half the time. He's going that quick. And uh, he put us in front at 16-6 at half-time. And you felt then it wasn't a winning lead, but, um, you know, Casford came back at us. They got a try through Gary Gary. And um, then after that, I thought we really went through the gears then. You know, I think it was 16-10, I think it was at that time. We got a penalty goal, which we, we kicked to nudges in front at 18-10. And then after that, we went through the gears. We, we didn't seem to spend lots of time in Castleford's half. Uh, territorially, but we made an awful lot of breaks. You know, Brody Croft I thought was outstanding. Max Need really marshaled the game well. He kicked to twenty forty, which turned the game for me. Uh, that got us on the front foot, and uh, we scored some smashing tries. And if you've not seen the highlights, have a watch of uh, Joe Burgess' hat trick try because that pass from Tim, for Tim Lafay was uh, was worth the admission money. I thought it was tremendous. I mean. It was great. I, th- I think we played some absolutely outstanding rugby. And if you've not been down to the AJ Bell this season, get down and watch Solver because the brand of rugby league that they're playing at the moment is fantastic. The entertainment value is brilliant on Friday night. Yeah. Um, you spoke to Paul Rowlett. I spoke to Elijah Taylor. And this is what I had to say. Right, I'd like to say Paul Rowlett joins me. I've not spoken to you for a couple of weeks, Paul. Yeah. Um, big performance tonight. It was important tonight to back up again after the Leeds game. I thought it was superb last week. Tonight, we didn't have a lot of ball in the cast half but created a lot of chances, a lot of line breaks. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, I think uh, backing up after the Wigan performance, really. Wigan, Saints, Leeds. It's been a month of good performances. I've mm-hmm. uh, transitioned two of them into two two results now, so uh, re- really pleased with that. I thought today was probably uh, not as good a performance as the, the previous three I mentioned. I don't think we were as hungry as defence, and that, and that created them with a lot of field position in that first half. I thought we... We managed our day a little bit, which we've been we've been pretty ruthless in our day, and everything we've done's been back, you know, been based on the solid foundation of defence. So um, I thought we fixed that up at our time and and got more field position. Statistically, we did. 
and uh, you, you know, and, and, and the score obviously ref- reflects the field position. Ben Cass had an awful lot of ball again, didn't they? I mean, you must be pleased with the defence. You conceded 14 points at St. Helens, eight points mm. against Leeds, 14 again tonight. Something's something's clicked there, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've found, uh, you know, it, it, it does take a while. You've got new players, new coaching staff. You find your blueprint, your DNA. Um, we've never doubted ourselves. There's never been a lack of effort, uh, but. You know, some, like it says, something's clicked and, and something we've got a common goal, common objective, and uh, everyone's got clarity in the role and the job and, and what we expect. So, you know, we, we're setting high standards from within the group. Uh, the empowerment and, and the person, uh, the people, the personnel are setting their own standards. And I spoke a lot about culture right at the beginning of the season, and I think that goes a long way to saying what sort of culture we are building uh, at the club. And you're not just five drives and a kick either, are you? I mean, some of that rugby league there, that attacking rugby league mm. is absolutely outstanding. Some of the tries against like Joel Burgess, I mean, yeah. said in the report there, I think he owes Tim Lafayette coffee there, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's put him in with some fantastic passes there. Yeah, I'm sure Tim will buy him a coffee, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you all want to watch a team that wins, but it is, it is nice to be entertained as well, you know, and, and, and I think that's a big part of what I believe in. In my my coaching philosophy, that I definitely want to, you know, be brave and bold in the way that we play, uh, and and to some, to, you know, it's all it's all quite relevant really. To some people, a certain passes a risk. To others, it's not. Um, and if you practice it enough, and and you get the confidence through practice and repetition, then it's not a risk. So, uh, so we're we're bold and brave in 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 them areas, but we're selective as well. And uh, you know most most things we do have been manipulated prior in C-O-E-T. Uh, in, sorry in, in in what we do prior to that. So uh, yeah, it, it, it's not off the cuff. It's uh, it's manipulated and you know it's, and, and it comes through hard work and practice from the boys. It's it's, it's 100% credit to them. There was a time in the game there was a few support behind me were panicking about one of the penalties and. I think it was one of them to put us 18-10 up, I think it was. Mm. Whose decision is that? Is that the players or do you send that message down or do you trust their um, judgment? Th- there's, it's a funny one, really, because um, I, I'll, I'll always give them what, mm. what I, what I, what I want to do, what I think we should do. So mm. how strong that message is will, will, will differ. So when we took the two, I, I demanded that we took the tee on and we're kicking the two. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but other times I'll say, right, they look up, yeah, uh, if I want to, or what, run. But they're out there, they feel it. So I had that discussion prior to the season beginning with uh, Sneedy in particular, who's the kicker, and go with, go with how you're feeling on the field, you know. So, but again, you speak prior, at, at half-time, I spoke to Sneedy and said, right, just keep chipping away with the two points to slow death for them, you know, just keep chipping away at them. So we kind of knew. Mm. We, there's not many surprises it's something we've not had dialogue about or not spoken about and if you refer back to last week with the the drop goal take me out of the equation I know Brody Ryan and Sneedy had spent 10-15 minutes preparing for that exact scenario mm. knew exactly what they were doing uh, and so again there's not many surprises that you know we're, we're, we're pretty uh, we're pretty on it we, you know we, we prefer really hard and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're all rugby nerds, really, so it's, uh, we, we enjoy our job. That kick today, that 24, mm. I think that's the first one I've seen this season. I thought I, we did one at Hull. I'm sure someone said that before, and I couldn't think, but that kick there, how important mm. was that there? That was at a time where you needed yeah. Mark Snead to step up. He's come back into the mm. side after an injury. 
brilliant last week at managing the game. Yeah. Him and Brodie Croft. I mean, you've got Chris Atkin there as well. Yeah. How difficult is it for you to pick two out of them three? Yeah, well, I, I, I always pick my best team. It's quite simple. And what's the best for Salford with the club? So that, that's that's what I base everything on. So um, the, in the context of the game, where we lost a little bit of shape in attack, uh, we, we were doing it tough at that period of time. That, that kick was absolutely massive. Uh, and Sneed is a... You know, as I said, he's a big game player. He's come up with big moments. If you look at all our wins, he's come up with some big moments in every single one of them. So it would have been interesting to see if he was on the field against Wigan and Saints. Uh, you know, if he could have come up with big moments then. But that's the beauty of the squad. It's, uh, it's you know, Chris Atkin stepped in for Wigan and Saints. Uh, he, he, he was poor against Wigan. And then he, he backed up against Saints and was very, very good. Uh, he, he trains well every week. He's a massive contributor to the group, and you know, we love having him round, and 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 so it's tough in that respect because you you know I want, I want the best for him, uh, and I want his enthusiasm and, and spirit to remain high, and so uh, he, he'll get his games in. I've got no doubt about that, and and he has featured uh, sometimes short, you know, off the bench as, as nine or a pivot or whatever it is, but uh, we do value him. That's that's for sure. 10 points now in the league. It's getting quite tight in the middle there. You know, Warrington last night, lost last mm. night. I think you're level with them now. You're looking up rather than down now at that playoffs? Um, yeah, we're just chipping away one at a time. We're, again, we, we, we set we set our goals to, to gain respect and change people's opinions. I told you that right at the beginning. Um, we played everybody once after Saints game. We spoke openly about chat transitioning now into results. Uh, and since we had that chat with with one two from two, so I can't ask for any more. Uh, but we'll still, you know, we're, we're still not getting ahead of ourselves. We're we're a club that's a team that's under resourced compared to everybody else. We've got the lowest playing budget in the league. We're losing forwards left, right, and centre. We didn't have many to begin with. So you know, we're, but what we've got is somewhat of a bit of a crazy gang here who who kind of gets stronger the more adversity we get. Um, and whilst we were at our brilliant best today, I don't think, there were some moments, but not overall. Um, it, the character is never to be questioned and the fact that we've got a work ethic that's second to none and, uh, and that's shone through today and that's a, that they're wonderful traits to have in a team. You've got a bit of time off next week for the Challenge Cup. How are yeah. you going to spend that now? Are you going to give the lads a bit of a rest? Or... <laughs> well, they were all like, looking forward to one. We had a few days off the other week, so... Um, we're, we're going to give them the weekend off bring them back in next week um, we just might change the content of training so it's a bit more fun a bit more relaxed but um, we're going to take the opportunity to to come in and uh, and do some more work thanks <laughs> so for... unfortunately not for the lads no. no thanks very much for speaking to us Paul Cheers. appreciate it mate you have a good weekend I'll see you soon so I'm joined by Elijah Taylor good win that yeah it was was a good win against a good side attacking side in Cass um yeah, the first 20 was an arm wrestle. They actually won the first half, I reckon. Um, you know, their attack was, was really good. Uh, but, you know, credit to um, our halves. Sneedy, big kick, big moment in the game. I thought, you know, our transition attack was um, coming along nicely. And uh, the defensively towards the back end of the game, we were able to turn them away. So, no, it was, uh, it was a positive win for Salford. Yeah, obviously, you know, looking forward, you know, two wins from two over the last two games for Salford. You know, how far can this team go? Are we on a, on a player push? Oh, we've just got to test ourselves. Um, you know, we played Wigan about four weeks ago. It was a good performance. We just lost. We played Saints. 
it was a good performance but we just lost um, then we played Leeds and we got the victory we played Cash got the victory I wish we could play next week so we can just keep it going but we've got a week off so um, yeah good time to build on what's working for us but yeah we'll definitely be looking and trying to achieve our standards and goals what we started, started the season with obviously you see development in the squad obviously everyone's pushing the right direction oh yeah definitely um, you know Paul Rowley's got us um, all in our positions we we know our role there's a lot of clarity um, and you know our halves yeah, Brady Croft's coming into form um, he's taking control him and Sneed are working together uh, they're gelling together nicely um, and defensively we're a bit more aggressive with our markers and it's helping our attack off so um, no, a lot of positives uh, but a lot to work on yeah, obviously, no game ne- next week. Is that obviously a, a bad thing? Obviously, you said you wanted to play again. Uh, but what do you do instead? Is it just training? Yeah, it's just training and, you know, go looking back on the games we've just played and yeah, what we've done well, uh, what we need to improve on. Um, just about improving every week. Uh, Super League's tough competition and whole KR, um, you know, tough game away. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to that. Brilliant. Cheers. Thanks for talking to us. So, Paul Rowley, was he happy with the result? He was, yeah, he was pleased with that. You know, he never gives too much away, Paul Rowley, but and he's right what he said. They, they're not getting excited about playoffs and, and things like that. They're just taking one step at a time. They've got a week off now for the Challenge Cup uh, and then they're away at Old Kingston Rovers, which will be a tough game. I know Old KR have, uh, have, been, uh, have been a bit in and out recently, but they played Catalan at um, the weekend and, and gave a good account of themselves. So um, they're going to be a difficult side to beat. So um, like a week off and then prepare for that. Yeah, obviously, look, you know, looking further ahead, obviously the the transfer window is open for for rugby. I know it's different, obviously, with football. There's players coming off contract all the time, and uh, obviously Paul Rowley's men. There's there's quality in that squad. He just needs to add to it. He does. I think for me, he needs to retain as well. Um, I, I noticed quite a lot of players off contract at certain clubs when I have a look through the list and there's a few names and then I thought oh I wonder if he'll come back to Salford and I was thinking to myself is he any better than what we've got and I looked at sort of the three quarter line and I'm thinking if we can keep you know we've obviously tied Dion Cross down because he's a tremendous prospect I mean he's only young and he's 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 been brilliant for us if you can tie Tim Laffey down as well I think that you've got some quality players there you've got Ken Seo Reese Williams and Joe Burge three top wingers um, yeah, I think it's forwards we're struggling for. You know, King Vuniayo is out for the season now, which is a terrible shame. Got a pectoral injury, so he's been great this season. So you've lost a lot of big men. We've got Shane Wright out injured. Alex Gerrard's out injured at the moment. James Green was gone for the season. King Vuniayo has gone as well. So we've got some big forwards out at the moment. So, you know, probably for next season, we, we probably want to strengthen that pack a bit as well. But, you know, we, we're doing all right. So let's hope we can retain that squad because we've got the makings of a really good team. Yeah, you're talking about Joel Burgess and his, his hat-trick. Yeah. Um, he'll be in contention for possible England spot. I think he will be. I think he's a world-class player. I think, um, you know, England would be daft not to look at him. I'd have him in. And I tell you what, I think Dion Cross, is, is if he keeps performing the way he's playing at the moment, he could be in with a shout as well. If not, the full England squad, the England night squad, because he's been brilliant this season for us, Dion Cross. Mm. You know, he came as a winger and he, he's really found it your place in the centre. I think Callum Watkins is another one um, who could be in there. Jack Armand Ride. Now he's getting game time and playing. His performances are getting better and better each week. And, you know, we, we sometimes struggle for forwards in this country and he's a genuine big bloke. So, uh, so yeah, there could be, 
you know, for me, if I was a player now, you're just going to keep playing your tripe out every week, haven't you? And if you do that, you put yourself in the shop window. If you get picked, you get picked. If you don't, you don't. But you're not going to get picked if you don't play well. At the moment, everybody's pushing and, and, and playing well. And, you know, you spoke to Tyler Dupree, didn't you, on, on Friday night, who signed it, the young lad. And, you know, his performance, I thought he played really well. And he looks like a, a real steal for us. He, he looks a real good player. He's only a young kid as well. So that's another good signing for us. Do you think um, sort of Salford have an opportunity to break into that playoff spot? Whisper it quietly, Rob. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I really do. Um, you know, I, I'm quite a cautious person when it comes to Salford. You know, as you are, we've been let down many times. But I'm looking at that fixture list now, and I'm looking at the way we're playing and the attitude of the players and the way the way we won that game against Castleford. I saw some comments from Cast supporters on Twitter, and they were saying about, "Oh, we should beat these easy." And I thought. Got a rude awakening, really. We're not a bad side. And, you know, you look at the players we've got out injured as well. I think we've got more than enough to, to, to win matches in the second half of the season. And we're only two points off the playoffs now. So, um, so yeah, we've got some massive games coming up. If we can keep that consistency, I think the team spirit and the bomb we've got there and the brand of rugby that we're playing could get us into that top six. Mm, it will be exciting times. Uh, Sky Sports broke the news that Sebastian Gerrard, a local um, Salford businessman, is talking about buying the Salford Stadium, the AJ Bell Stadium, and possibly letting Salford play there. Um, what do you think of that news? I'd like him to buy the club as well <laughs> or invest in the club. I think that'd be great. I don't know a lot about it, Rob, to be honest, so it'd be unfair for me to really go into detail. But I know Gerard is, is, is a local business in the area. I know they used to do a lot with Swinton years ago, players that used to work for him and things like that. So they were involved in rugby then. Um, I think they sponsored our reserves as well, didn't they, maybe last season or the season before. Um, so... We'll have to just watch this space and see what develops. Uh, we've got some good people at the club at the moment, like Sir Paul King looking after it. And, you know, if we, if we can talk to these people, I think talks are at sort of the early stages, aren't they? We'll have to just see what comes from it. But it's exciting news for us. I mean, there's, there's a school of thought. People sort of say they'd like us to move to Moor Lane. There's people who want to stay at the AJ Bell. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. But as long as we get the best deal for our club, that that's, that's, that's all that matters to me. What makes a good owner, Paul? what makes a good owner mm -hmm. somebody who sits in the background and, and lets the people who who are doing the rugby league side and the business side sits back and lets them get on with it you know someone who's respectful and um, someone who sort of values history and heritage and I think that sort of person it makes a great owner we had one at Salford called John Wilkinson who did a tremendous job over a long period of time and would have done anything for the club so uh, so yeah anybody like that someone who cares basically, Rob. I think someone who cares and you can't go wrong. Yeah, who cares and has big pockets as well because I think when you're yeah. an owner of a football club or a rugby club, it's more of a sort of a job of uh, love rather than a job of let's try to make some money because I don't think apart from the yeah. audits uh, in sport uh, there isn't a massive amount of money to be made no not at all it's a labour of love of course it is to me if you buy a sports club you don't buy that because you want to make money out of it. If, you, if you want to make money you buy shares don't you in a business or, or whatever or get yourself a job you know you, you buy a rugby league club it's a it's a I say a hobby but it's more than a hobby isn't it? but it's that sort of thing isn't it? you're doing it because you love something don't you you don't buy a season ticket for Salford because you want to make money you, you go there because you enjoy it and that's what you want to do, don't you? So, uh, so yeah, you, you invest in that, don't you? And, and obviously, it's not going to make you any money, but it's something that you're going to enjoy and you're going to get a, a lot back from. To me, not everything's about money. 
you know, I go to, to solve it because I love it and I enjoy it like like you do. We don't be there to make money, do we? So uh, I think as an owner, you have to have that sort of mentality. Yeah. Uh, this week's Challenge Cup uh, final weekend, Paul. Tell me what the Challenge Cup means to you. Everything, Robert. It's it's the holy grail of rugby league. I've said that many, many times. And, uh, you know, it's it's a trophy that I grew up watching. And, you know, it, when you think back as a kid, you just remember the the. the green grass at Wembley being like a carpet or like a bowling green. It was always a dead sunny day. Massive packed shirt crowd, the Twin Towers, you know, watching the, the coverage from like really early on in the day at sort of dinner time when it came on grandstand and, you know, Salford never being there, always getting knocked out in a semi-final or something. <laughs> but it was always, it was always so colourful, wasn't it? And, um, and yeah, it's still like that now. It's a magic, the cup and, you know, the way teams can, you know, sometimes get upset. Not so much at the moment, the way the, the, the competition's seeding, like you don't really get the, the shocks anymore. But I mean, ask any Salford supporter what the greatest game was they've seen. A lot of people probably say they get the win over Wigan in 96. Very special memories of the cup. So it's a special competition. I mean, this season, it's not at Wembley. It's at, it's at Tottenham, which is, for me, it's a bit of a dampener because it's not a Wembley, but it's a fantastic stadium, Tottenham as well, and I'm sure it'd be a great game between Huddersfield and Wigan. Yeah, Huddersfield and Wigan in the final. Uh, Paul Huddersfield, managed by Salford Devils ex-coach Ian Watson. Uh, Wigan being the Cup Kings of Rugby League. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Um, I'd like Huddersfield to win, to be honest with you. I don't think they've won the Cup since like the 1950s. So I mean, we've not won it since 1938, so they're not, it's not quite that long. But uh. they, they've not won it for a long time. They've not really won won much in my lifetime, Huddersfield. So you know, I, I think it'd be good for the game to, to get a new team on the trophy. I've not got nothing against Wigan, to be honest with you, but I'd like to see Huddersfield get it. You know, for Ian Watson as well. You know, Ian Watson was always good to us on the podcast, and um, always had a chat with us, didn't he? So, um, so yeah, I'd like him to, to to win a trophy. They've got some ex Salford players there in the team as well, haven't they? Which would be good. You know, Theo's back is there. I mean, what betting could we get on Theo winning the Lansford? I mean, we've had quite a few ex Salford players winning the Lansford trophy haven't we, over the last few years. I mean, uh, that'd be something. But you know, some some ex Salford players in the Wigan lineup as well. Jake Bibby's there, isn't he? So, uh, so yeah, it promised to be an exciting game. It really does, and. Um, you know, I, I probably, probably at the moment, I probably edge to Wigan. I think they've got the big game experience, but you know, Huddersfield have played well recently, and uh, you know, they could cause an upset. Yeah, obviously the magic of the cup, different, obviously because it's not at Wembley, but I'm sure there'll be thousands of fans going down there, um, wanting to generate that atmosphere. Because I suppose with the, the Challenge Cup final, it's one of the sort of most biggest competitions in sport in this country. So you're hoping that you know there'll be great rugby, great passion showed, uh, and a great crowd and great on the tally for people who might not be involved in rugby league yet, uh, but they will have to after watching it, they might be. Yeah, like we said, we know it's not a Wembley, but if you've seen that stadium at Tottenham, it looks absolutely magnificent. Um, it really is a good facility, and if you get a big crowd in there, it's going to be it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. There's no doubt about that. With the two teams come out, and you know we we've been lucky enough to go to a grand final watching Salford, and what was that like? You know the the airs on your neck when the teams walked out there. It was absolutely awesome. I mean the noise and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. It really is. It doesn't really matter what stadium it's at. I mean, I know history and heritage is good. Wembley's like the magical name, but I don't think Tottenham will let it down. I think it'll be a great contest live on on BBC television for everybody to see. Um, and I think there'll be a big crowd there as well. I think it'll be a really great day. And don't forget, you've got Featherstone Rovers and Lee are going to be there in the 1895 Cup as well. Mm. Uh, they're two pretty good, well-supported sides who are going hammer and tongue against each other in the Championship. So that should be another cracking match. 
Yeah, I was going to talk about that. The 1895 Cup final at uh, Tottenham. I think it'll be obviously a great game. Both Featherstone and Lee have spent a lot of money and not on the squad. Uh, yeah. Probably got two of the best teams in the Championship, really. Well, they have. I mean, Lee signed Blake, Blake Ferguson the other week, didn't they? I don't think he's played for played for him yet. But there, another side, he's got quite a lot of ex-Hall players. Ati Garnall's in there. Chris Nunu, Ed Chamberlain, to name a few. Uh, I think Adamson the Rovers got Craig Copjack I think still playing for him so yep. there might be a lot of ex-over players on show at, uh, at Tottenham so that'll be a cracking match that I mean those two sides yeah are, 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 at the moment look head and shoulders above the other sides in the championship don't it looks like a straight race between those two for, for promotion so yeah they have spent a lot of money both of them so uh, it, that, that I think that'll be another great game I think there'll be a lot of points in that I think it'll be a high scoring match that and um, I fancy Featherstone should just nick it, but you know, with Chris Ninu in that lead team, he can make things happen, can't he? So it should be a good one. It will be interesting, obviously, both Featherstone and Lee both trying to vie for that Super League spot. Uh, do you think um, that both are sort of would be worthy Super League sides? And do you think the Super League should sort of expand the division to 14? Um, I think anyone who gets promoted is worthy of it because you've earned it. Um, for, for me, I don't know. I think if you're going to do that, you need to make it known at the start of the season. All rugby league tend to change the rules, don't they, halfway through? But at the moment, you've not said that. So it's one up, one down, isn't it? So if they were to change it next season, I'd have no problem of having 14 teams in the Super League. I mean, probably difficult to, to, to share the players out because we've not got that bigger pool of talent. But I think looking at the the, the performances in the Championship so far this season, they, they did struggle. I mean, I don't think Lee would be, be outstanding, but they'd probably be as good as what Toulouse are. You know, no disrespect to Toulouse. I think they'd not be far off that sort of level, but but it'd be difficult for them. But uh, but yeah, I think I wouldn't have any problem with 14 teams, but as long as it's decided at the start of the season, don't change it halfway through. I mean, if Toulouse are near the bottom this year, they, they shouldn't really change the rules and say, oh, there's no relegation now, because if Salford were bottom or Wakefield were bottom, they'd have no... We'd be getting relegated, wouldn't we? So uh, I don't like the way that happens in rugby league sometimes. It, things should be decided and set in concrete before the season starts. Yeah, so with 45 seconds to go, uh, what what a fantastic weekend of sport we've got look, to look forward to. Yeah, it's just a shame we couldn't talk about the Premiership, really. I mean, we <laughs> sat here, aren't we, on, uh, on Saturday doing, doing the show on a pre-record and uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, but yeah, plenty of sport to go at, Rob, as we said. And, you know, next weekend with the, with the Champions League, the Cup final, the playoff final, it's all happening. It is, it is, Paul. And what we'll do, we'll obviously be talking about it all on the Sporter Zone on Salford City Radio. Big thanks for joining us on the show this week. Don't forget you can catch us on a Tuesday at 7pm and a Thursday at 9pm. We'll be looking forward for your company next time on Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. 